You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Glenn Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm currently in Palatka, Florida. You're listening to... People are like, never heard of that, and they're like, why is she always there? Uh, You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for Wednesday, February 21st, episode 3370. Good morning, horse people. Ah, Wednesday, the day we cover Glenn's favorite topic. (laughs) Horse health. And Jamie makes you feel better about yourself with the latest weird news from around the world. Happy Wednesday. After this sad chapter in Jamie's life is over, I will say that she will never be coming back to Palatka, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> there's the, there's not a vegetarian restaurant within 80 miles of Palatka, Florida. Man, it's... I gotta I gotta give a shout out to Pub Subs. Publix has the best subs. Oh, they do I... actually. They do have good food in the deli there. Pub Subs, baby. They have a vegetarian meat sub too. Yeah. <laughs> You've been living on subs. <laughs> I I've spent a lot of time in the public's deli line not gonna lie <laughs> well brad from double e trailers is back to talk about trailer tires and suspension and to answer the question that everybody fights about on social media whether it's rvs and trailers and that is how much air do you put in your tires what do you do you go up to that uh that thing that says on the side of your tires or do you put a little less what is the rule about air in your tires he's going to answer that one today and we also have auditor and saddle fitter Janelle Cameron on to talk about the importance of saddle fit. We have some weird news, and we'll do a little bit of a post-show for you as well. But the big news over the last five days, it has dominated all of the uh, horsey news, but also the mainstream news everywhere. <laughs> uh, do, do you, do, we have never had Shane Rose on the show, I don't think. I don't think so, but I I now would we, like to yeah, thank all the people who submitted his story for weird news. But I'm like, at this point with this show, this is just news. Yeah, exactly. So Shane Rose, he's in a, a show jumper or an eventer? I can't remember. He's an eventer. An eventer out of Australia. And he was doing what they call a fancy dress class at the Wallaby Hill Extravaganza. I love their names for stuff down there. Uh, he was doing the fancy dress class. And what you want to tell everybody what he wore in the fancy dress class? Well, I don't know how many people have seen the movie Borat, but Borat made that there's a a scene where Borat wears what I guess is called a mankini at this point, but it's like a V-shaped bathing suit type item and it goes over the shoulders and V's down into, you know, the nether regions. And Borat was wearing it and made it kind of, you know, funny. And then um, that is what she, I don't even need to describe it. Every single person listening to this has seen, <laughs> seen it. Okay. And pictures. I would like to thank Shite Aventers United um, on Facebook. Oh, my God. For, that must have went crazy on there. Well, they posted the photos of Shane jumping the fences in full jumping position from behind like <laughs> while the horse is suspended in midair I mean, and this everybody is less than a thong <laughs> it, 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 it was like 
people were like, did he, it looks like he was prepared. Like he shaved and <laughs> got some waxing done and all that. I mean, good Lord. Thank you. And, and then it was like, you all zoomed in, you know, you did. And I had just zoomed in, Like I don't know why. <laughs> It was terrible, but it was hilarious. Well, and, you know, he's Australian, and they're kind of funny like yeah. that. Uh, well, a crush in Australia didn't find it very funny. <laughs> no, no. Actually, I think there was one Karen who re- who did not think it was funny at all. <laughs> and reported it in a question in Australia, uh, which is their governing body, uh, suspended him. Now, he's on the road to the Olympics this year. So uh, they suspended him, and they got such a backlash from, <laughs> from social media, from direct contact, like thousands of people, that they immediately, within within a couple of days, reinstated him. <laughs> so he's back aiming for the Olympics. Uh, and there's been another positive benefit, too. But is it positive? Is it positive? I don't know. Did you see the number of people who were posting their naked pictures in support? Oh, my God. There were hundreds of them. And then everybody was, like, posting pictures of him for their profile and, like, solidarity. (laughs) I mean, they were like, let him go. But but here's the positive. Um, Mankinis will be provided to all the spectators at next year's Wallaby Hill extravaganza. And they're going to donate a hundred bucks to men's health charities for every brave person that's brave enough to wear them. So if you put them on, they're going to donate a hundred bucks. I'll give you a hundred bucks not to wear it. That's fine. <laughs> I think this is very funny. Uh, it uh, provided a little chuckle. It's perfect that it was Australians. Uh, I think that's just perfect. I don't know how many TV shows we've seen recently where Jennifer and I went, yep, that's an Australian. Australians could get away with that. And then this happened. And then I remember <laughs> the like here in Florida, John Holling, didn't he do like a yes. whole streaking thing? Yes. Yes. Well, he wasn't in competition, I guess, so they couldn't hold hold that against him. But I, 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 I you know what? Naked men are funny. Well, I don't you know care. What? I think we could make a fortune because every year we cover the nude calendars. We could have the mankini calendar next year with everybody that's posted in their mankinis. I'm sure somebody's thought out. of that already. I'm sure. Yeah, we're not the first ones. But it would sell out. We'd make a fortune, Jamie. Yeah, Would right. we? No, no, no. <laughs> it sounds like it w- on paper, it sounds good. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy, happy birthday. <laughs> well, we have three auditor birthdays Geraldine, Jana, and Samantha. Happy birthday to all of you. Painting the picture yet again. I'm in Palatka, Florida. I'm currently sitting in my mother's bedroom. My mom is in the hospital and I'm sitting with my, this is the glamour of podcasting, Glenn. I am sitting on a, I'm in the corner of her bedroom and I have a nightstand that is holding the computer, but the nightstand is, is not a desk, so I can't slide up underneath it. So I'm kicked back sitting up holding a microphone like I'm Taylor Swift, but I can't move the microphone too far forward or too far backwards because it'll either you can't hear me or it'll hit me in the face. So I'm trying to be very careful. I am currently sitting on a potty chair uh, for seniors, and um, this is the glamorous life that I am living right now. But my daily Winnie goes out to the huge 
amount of emails and, and kind things that people have sent me, our listeners, and, and, you know, a lot of you know what I'm going through um, and have been through it and are sharing your stories. And I just want to say a heartfelt thank you. I mean, people sending me weird news are sending me weird news and then in, 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 including an encouraging message in there. Um, it's just really really kind of all of you and, and, and the listeners who Clark, everybody wants to get together while I'm here. And this is definitely, this is a quicker trip and I'm, I'm leaving tonight um, or tomorrow morning actually. And so I just want to thank everybody for sending kind words to me and I love you all. Very good. Well, about in night, in 2017, October 24th of 2017, we had the good folks on from Fletcher Street Urban Riding Club. Do you remember what city that was in? I think it's Phil- it was Philadelphia, yeah, right? That's right. They were one of the riding clubs that still exists in Center City, Philadelphia. Now, all of you that have been to Philadelphia know that there's two deadly roads in Philadelphia. I-95 goes through Philadelphia, and it's no joy, and then the Schuylkill Expressway. And they call it the Shirkill Expressway because... Pretty much that's what happens there all the time. So, uh, but I-95 is just a hazardous road. Well, apparently the other night at 4.45 a.m., Angelo Palmer uh, was heading to work, and he leaned out the window of his shuttle bus to capture a horse galloping along I-95. Yep, that's right. At about 40 miles an hour, they estimated this horse was clipping along along the highway, which must have been absolutely terrifying for the horse because it's terrifying if you're in a car. Uh, they called the police and police responded and they received numerous reports from people saying a horse was running along I-95 and uh, the Pennsylvania State Police showed up and apparently corralled the horse and managed to tie it to a fence, uh, contacted the owners, which happened to be the Fletcher Street Urban Riding Club. And that's a nonprofit devoted to horsemanship and also kids getting kids involved with horses and stuff, but apparently it had escaped from the stable and took quite a jolt. It was like a couple miles from the stable when it when it was found and he was hauling he was mail <laughs> on the pavement and i was looking at him so, so there's a video of news crews that did a whole thing about it and watching this video first of all it is a very attractive horse beautiful warm blood type horse galloping and it was not going 40 miles an hour because that's like racehorse speed. yeah i know so it, was, it, it seemed like it though in the video <laughs> it was definitely hauling butt and uh then i just i just as a horse person, you cringe because I feel like everybody thinks horses just know how to be tied up. And in the video, I don't they didn't show the corralling part, but they showed the after part, which is where the horse was tied to a chain link fence yeah. with razor wire <laughs> along the top of it. And I was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> yes, it was like tied up to the to the fence of a prison. And I'm just like, people, all horses don't tie. And I, all I could see was this horse setting back and then pulling the razor wire down. Then you got a big hot mess. Uh, so um, and the cop that, was just pissed. He had to deal with this at 445. Yes. And then the the camera, the news crew chick was so sarcastic and they just made the worst horse puns. And, oh, he wants to be out. He wanted to see the neighborhood. I was like, I will punch you in the face if I see you in real life. That's worse than fake Winnie's. Oh, my God. It was awful. It was awful. And then they're like following the poor guy who's like loading the horse, uh, the guy from the the riding center. 
And they're like, how did he escape? How are you going to prevent him from getting out again? He was like, we just got this horse. Uh, somebody, And he's like, somebody let him out. And then they, they dry, speed off. It was like some sort of paparazzi situation where they're chasing <laughs> this poor guy down. Oh, my God. I just wanted to kick everybody in the shin. <laughs> and they did, they did uh, say that they thought it might have been vandalism, that somebody opened a the gate. They're going to put cameras up now. Uh but, you How did they is, not it, already have cameras? I know, oh my it's God. right in the city. I mean, it is. this one is literally right in the city. Anybody who knows anything about Philadelphia. They did say the horse was taken to the vet and is now resting at its barn. Well, its stall. it should do barrels because uh, it, that thing can book. <laughs> really it, doing it barrels was, or something. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely hauling. I love the Philadelphia Police Department. Their, their tweet was, oh. hey, Philly, uh, hold your horses so we don't have to. Shut up. <laughs> he just wanted to see the neighborhood. Oh, I was like, I hate you so much right now. Uh. So, so far we've had mankinis and really bad horse puns in the news today. It's just going uphill. I can't go downhill any further. <laughs> well, I have a Japanese study later on in the show for you. You can hold on for that and we'll see. Uh, we'll see what that has to say. I was looking oh, well, I. I also will tell you that I'll give you a news story in the post show that was in SFW. Okay. <laughs> and I'll give you that in the post show because y'all, seriously, y'all are some weird, twisted folks <laughs> sending me some stories. Oh, my God. Well, we have coming up next, we have Brad back with us for part four of the Trailer 101 segment that we've been doing. And I got a request from a bunch of listeners to talk about tires. When do you need new ones? You know, what's the whole story on tires? What do we inflate them to? Which ones do we need? You know, what ply and all that stuff. So tires were the most asked question we had, and Brad answers some of those questions right now. Welcome to our monthly horse trailer series, brought to you by Double D Trailers. Find them online at doubledtrailers.com. That's double, the letter D, trailers.com. Glenn here, founder of the Horse Radio Network and host of Horses in the Morning. One of the top requested segments we have gotten from listeners is about trailers and trailer safety. Brad Heath is here from Double D Trailers, and he is with us for a five-part series on trailers. Brad is the owner of Double D Trailers with over 25 years' experience in the horse trailer manufacturing and equestrian industry. I know that you've been enjoying this series. I've heard from a lot of you. If you missed the first three parts, you can find them at horseradionetwork.com slash trailer. That's horseradionetwork.com slash trailer. Today in part four, we are talking about tires, axles, and suspension. So, Brad, let's start with explaining what tires should be on a trailer. You know, the plies and all that stuff. What should be on a horse trailer? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us, Glenn. Uh, good to talk to you guys again. So, with us, it's all about the weight that's being carried on the tires and wheels and axles. Um, our push is, and my belief always has been to properly match the suspension to the load being carried. Meaning if there's 4,000 pounds of weight on the suspension system, in, which includes the, the wheels, axles, and tires, uh, we really don't need an eight or 10,000 pound capacity suspension because it, it ends up, uh, being a negative ride if it's too stiff, and can transfer you know, too much shock and vibration back to uh, horses' feet and legs. 
I actually had a client years ago that a small two horse gooseneck and he just insisted, insisted that he had 12,000 pounds suspension with 16 inch 10 plod tires. He'd had so many tire failures over the years. And I said, man, it's going to pull like a tank. It's going to ride rough. There's no way. Um, so anyway, he insisted. Uh, he We built it. He paid for it. He was gone for about a half an hour. And then he came back and said, I can't pull this thing. It's, it's bouncing <laughs> all over the place. So since then, uh, you know, when it comes to suspension, uh, you know, clients have some ideas occasionally. But um, I, I always defer to what we know works. And as far as the number of plies, you know, it depends on the capacity. So like an A-ply tire, you're typically going to see that in a D rating. Um, And, you know, if you look on the sidewall of the tire, it will tell you how many pounds that tire will hold. So if like if it's a a C-rated tire, which holds 2,000 pounds per tire in a round number, and you have four tires, the tires are capable of carrying, you know, 8,000 pounds. Um, and then as the tire increases, you go from, a, you know, an eight ply to a 10 ply right on up to, I think, a 12 or 14 on some of the uh, the larger ones. Now, I, we've all seen the horse trailers with car tires on them. Um, do you recommend trailer tires specifically? Yeah, we always what, have What's the difference? Of, what's the difference? Yeah, the, the LT for light truck uh, versus the ST, like a tire size is an ST 23580 R16. The ST simply means special trailer. Okay. And when you're hauling a top heavy load, like an RV or a horse trailer that's loaded, and you're going around curves and different things, you need that stiffer sidewall to be able to handle the top heaviness. And that's really where the, the trailer tire comes into play. It just has that stiffer sidewall suspension than what uh, the LT does. So look for an ST, for sure. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And then your plies, again, are going to depend on weight. Uh-huh. That's right. Most D-rated tires are 8-ply, which is a 15-inch size. Most 16-inch tires are going to be an E-rated um, you know, which would be a 10 ply. And then you can jump up to a G rated as well, which would be a higher ply. I don't know if you want to get into brands. Is there a brand that you personally like the best? Well, you know, for many years, we purchased our tires from Carlisle Tire and Wheel yeah. out of uh, my, Villa Rica. My uh, stepfather Villa, worked there, actually. Yeah, yeah, Villa Rica, Georgia. And uh, those guys, you know, I mean, they were, they were good on warranties. They were good to work with. But, man, it was like it just seemed like every week I had somebody calling on a fairly new trailer or one within a couple of years, like having blowouts. So um, we saw more failures than what I care to have seen working with those guys. For the last several years, we've purchased majority of tires and wheels uh, from Treadit is the name of the supplier. And I believe the brand of tire itself is Tomax. Yeah, I've seen those. Yep. Yeah, they're one of the few manufacturers that I've found that has a five-year warranty on their tires. Most of them are only like two years. And we've had really good service out of Tomax. I have... I mean, you're just going to have a failure sometimes, but they have been few and far between. They really have. So now you you got the right tire. What's, what are the top tips for maintaining tires on a horse trailer? 
I think the biggest thing that I've seen that leads to a blowout or a premature failure, um, you know, other than hitting the sidewall when you're making a sharp turn on a curb or something like that and causing damage would either be overinflation or underinflation uh, on the tire pressure. And what happens is if you're running a tire that's underinflated, the heat buildup will be more than what it should be. And it, it will just weaken that rubber compound. So you may run it underinflated the first time and then, you know, you air it back up the second time and think, oh, I got it. It didn't blow out. But, you know, I, I think in my mind that it's already weakened that tire some. So it's just very important in maintaining tires, keep the pressures where they're supposed to be. Um, I don't know why horse trailer tires, the tires tend to lose air. You know, I rarely check the air on my automobile, but when I'm hauling my boat or a trailer or whatever, you, you just always have to, to check the air in them. It seems like they'll lose some sometimes. Okay. So um, now I know on Facebook, when they, especially the RVers and even in the horse, horse trailer community, uh, air pressure is always a contentious issue because you have the guys that say, fill it right up to the recommended cold, you know, fill it right up to 80, right? Um, or right. whatever it says. And then you have the others that say, no, you should always run a 10 under. I, this has been the debate forever with tires. It has. We air, uh, air A-I-R, we air up the tires to the pressure that's written right on the sidewall. So if it says a KPSI of uh, 60 pound cold, we're going to fill it up to 60 okay, pound Okay, that's cold. good to know. All right, good. Yeah. All right. Um, what are the, uh, so again, the other thing that hap- tends to happen is we all think about tires wearing out with mileage, right? Because that's what we think about with our cars. Um, but I, we've tend to fa- find that the horse trailer tires and camper tires and RV tires will tend to wear out from dry rot before they're ever going to wear out from use. Yeah, that's right. We rarely see tires age out or excuse me, wear out. They typically just age out from elements being in use and sitting around in extreme heat, extreme cold. I mean, it's a rubber compound, so it's not going to last forever. And majority of the tire manufacturers, I think even automobile manufacturers recommend changing tires every six years. Uh, with the thinking, if you go longer than that, you're sort of driving on borrowed time, even you know if you ha- don't have many miles on them. And same way with horse trailers, uh, I've always recommended to clients, if you change your tires in the four to five year range, um, you, we typically just don't see the failures and the blowouts. But we have a lot of folks that just keep running the things until, you know, until you get a blowout and then it screws the fender up and maybe a bearing. I mean, it just makes a mess. So uh, much better to just change them periodically and be done with it. We always say helmets need replaced every five years. Do your tires at the same time? So there you go. Because helmets only, like only last five years, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what about bearings? Actually, our trailer's in right now getting some work done, and one of the yeah. things is packing the bearings and checking the bearings. Yeah, so Dexter, um, Dexter Axel, their largest manufacturing company in the world when it comes to RVs, horse trailers, uh, recreational vehicle industry. And they recommend once per year, every 12 months or 12,000 miles, uh, repack the uh, repack the bearing. So just change the grease out, uh, take it to a tire shop or 
a trailer repair shop. They'll pull the wheel, pull the bearing, repack, put it back in there. We're going to end talking about axles and suspension and things like that. What are the different types of axles? And that's changed over the years since I became a horse husband, too. It has. You know, when we started manufacturing back in 97, uh, we used Dexter axle then, and it was always a leaf spring yep. suspension. It's always leaf spring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, they. I think, I'm not sure what year Dexter came out with the rubber Torflex is sort of their spin on it. But we stayed with the leaf spring um, for many years. It was very durable. And, you know, I always told folks, I'm like, well, if you look at your car, it has leaf springs on it, too. So um, it, it, it seemed to work well. It seemed to ride fine. And you but could look at them and tell when there was a problem. You can. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Um, in recent years, particularly the last, um, I guess, maybe 12 years, 10 to 12 years for us, we did move over to the Dexter rubber Torflex suspension. Um, and have done some testing with that. And it, and it does seem to be a smoother ride than what that leaf spring suspension is. So uh, I'm an advocate of, uh, of the Dexter rubber suspension. They offer air ride, I think, in you know, my 26, seven years, however long I've been doing this now. Um, maybe we've done two air ride suspensions. And for the cost of that, I mean, I just didn't see that it was justifiable and worthwhile to do it because what we're using works fantastic. So in my opinion, there's just not a a need to have that extra upkeep, something else that can break when it's not needed. So what do you look for with the um, with the new suspension systems? What are you looking for as far as wear and tear or how can you tell if there's going to be a problem? Yeah, you know, Dexter's made some progress in recent years on being able to change certain components on the axle without just having to scrap the whole thing. Um, One of the improvements that they've made is a never adjust braking system On on the older axles. You would have to take it into the shop every year. And then as the the brake shoe or the lining itself wore the mechanic would have to tighten the spring up and then you run it another year and they get loose. And so you just had to constantly do it throughout the life of the break until the shoe wore out and it started scrubbing metal on metal. Now Dexter figured out, Hey, with these never adjust brakes, they adjust themselves throughout the life of the brake. So when it wears out, it's our, you know, it's done. Um, and then another improvement that they've made just in recent years, uh, I'm not even sure how long ago is you can change out uh, just the, the end of the axle, so to speak, where the rubber Torflex comes out down to the hub. So that's been an improvement as well. So any final thoughts on tires or suspension? Um, I don't think so. Just if someone is ordering a custom trailer, you know, don't go overboard with the tires and the suspension um, you know, if you're, if it's a 7,000 pound axle or excuse me, a 3,500 pound axle times two gives you the seven. And that's what's on most two horse bumper pull trailers. And even like a small two horse gooseneck, you'll see that size uh, axle. So unless the size of the horse is much greater and you're having to make the trailer taller and wider and longer and you know, those type things, um, there's just not a benefit in going heavier. So always try to get the suspension matched properly to the load being carry 
that's going to uh, provide the best ride for you. Very good. Where can they learn more about Double D Trailers? Yeah, jump on our website, doubledtrailers.com. And, uh, you know, we have our own podcast, the Double D Trailers podcast. So uh, the links for that are on our website as well. And if you were going to hear the first three parts, you can find them again at horseradionetwork.com slash trailer, doubledtrailers.com. Well, I wanted to mention that state line tack is once again going to be set up at Equine Affair in Ohio from April 11th to the 14th. But they're also going to be sooner than that. In another week, they're going to be at the Horse World Expo at the Pennsylvania Farm Show Complex and Expo Center, February 29th to March the 3rd. So uh, anybody that has been to any of these shows knows that state line sets up a huge booth there. So you're going to find them at both places, Horse World Expo in February and Equine Affair in April. And and then they're also going to the Defender Kentucky three-day event, uh, April 25th through the 28th. And we used to record right below their booth, actually. Uh, and they had took up, what, half the complex, or half the concourse there in the indoor. So if you want to uh, check out State Line Tack in person, they ha- always have all kinds of good deals there and tons of product. Then you'll find them at all three of those events coming up in the next couple of months. If you can't attend those events, then just head on over to statelinetack.com. Oh, I'm so glad they're going to be at Defender Land Rover Rolex because um, I'm in the market for some new riding boots because I had some riding boots uh, sitting in my barn and they're gone. Nothing else is gone. I don't know where they went. (laughs) I would blame your dog, actually, I think. I mean, if you're going to take something out of my barn, there's more valuable stuff than my old ratty boots. I, I don't know. I've looked everywhere. And at this point, I've kind of needed new ones anyway. So I'm thinking either some coyotes grabbed them and took them out somewhere <laughs> because they smelled like leather and foot. Um, <laughs> so it's just a good excuse to get new ones. Sure so Homer didn't bury them someplace. Homer is not motivated enough to bury anything, Glenn. <laughs> so no, they're not there. But I am happy to say I'm in the uh, I will be at at. The Kentucky three day this well, year with some girlfriends, and we'll be doing plenty some shopping. of places to shop. At, uh, Yay! Kentucky. This horse health report is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine Non GMO Core Nutrition for horses and ponies of all ages. And I would like to welcome one of our auditors who also is a professional equestrian saddle fitter, Janelle Thomas. Hi, Janelle. Good morning. Thank you so much for coming on. First of all, tell us where in the world you are right now. I am outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. Are you, are you, do you live around there? Or do you have horses? I, I do. I live in a small town called Kannapolis. Um, it, this area might be more famous for a race car driver than anything else. <laughs> and I do have a horse, <laughs> a rookie, um, and he is just the apple of my eye. Oh, that's sweet. So you are a professional saddle fitter. How did you get into that? Actually, Rookie kind of led that way. Um, I began my riding career a little later in life, and I started leasing a horse. And I'm very tall. I'm I'm six feet tall. So there's not a lot of lesson barns that keep equipment for people who are outside of norms in terms of saddles. So I went to the tech store with my trainer. We sat in a couple of saddles. I brought one back to the barn. She said it fit my horse. Six months later, I needed a breastplate, a crupper, a bare, or a, 
excuse me, a half pad and all this chiropractic and the vet came out and I needed my saddle fit checked. And unfortunately there's nobody to help. Um, the saddle fit industry is, is a uh, very competitive and it's very brand oriented. So everybody that I was calling just told me my saddle didn't fit, but they couldn't really tell me why. And they just wanted to sell me their brand. Mm-hmm. So I became a saddle fitter to understand and help my horse. That's amazing. So basically your horse uh, facilitated your education and learning about saddle fitting. That's fantastic. Yes. It's, it's been a 12 year journey. <laughs> 12 years. Oh my gosh. So with all that experience, what are some of the, what, what, how do you approach saddle fitting? You Like say you're walking up to a horse with a saddle in your hand. What are you going to do? Um, the first thing I do is start with an evaluation of the horse's body. Every horse has asymmetry. It's not a remark. It's just the way we're all built. So we need to identify where that is so that we can adjust the saddle to make sure that the rider is level. If the rider isn't level or balanced, the horse can never be because they're constantly fighting the pull from the rider. So once we address the asymmetry in the horse, then we can better understand what is needed in terms of saddle fit for both the horse and the rider. That's a, that's a dual process. Uh, a saddle needs to be used for the benefit of both. We don't buy the saddle that we deal with because it fits the horse because that's a ride every time. That's, that's just a huge compromise. So we buy the right thing at the right time and everybody does better. Gotcha. So you, you, you check out the asymmetry and then do you take this? I've seen saddle fitters like put the saddle on the horse with no pads just to check fit. Yes. Yes, verify all of the angles, the angle of the tree, the shape of the tree, the shape of the panels, then identify what kind of deficits there might be, whether it needs to be reflocked, if the panel materials are just incorrect for the horse, period, end of story. So sometimes you can't make a saddle fit. There's no material in the world that is universally applied that makes the saddle fit if your horse is a narrow to an extra wide. So that doesn't exist. So we have to look at every horse and every rider as a unique pair and the saddle becomes their tool to see them to their goals. The saddle industry becomes a little convoluted because there's a lot of variety there. There's yeah. I mean, it's, everybody's, it's, all, it's everybody's got an opinion, you know, that's the kind of kind every, of thing you look at. Yeah. So, what are some of the most common things that you see people with, like, say, I, I have this horse. What are some of the common things you see people making mistakes with when they're, when they're have, when they have their saddle? Is it, or are they too wide? Are they too narrow? Are they too long? What, what's, what's the problems? Yes. Yes. And yes. Um, <laughs> just, a, just a variety. Um, you know, saddles come in a variety of different shapes because horses come in a variety of different shapes. So that's what saddle setting is. We are matching the shape of the saddle to the horse. So that is the first primary thing we have to do. We have to make sure that the integrity of the tree and the panels matches the shape of the horse. If it doesn't, sometimes there's flexibility. We have a horse that we're rehabbing. If we have a horse in training, so long as the fit is close, sometimes there's tools out there that we can use, a half pad with shims to make the fit manageable 
for the horse while they're getting to where they need to be. But if you have a fit horse that is uninjured and is currently working, that saddle needs to fit with no band-aids. They can't do their job appropriately otherwise, and to ask them to do that is really unfair. So your saddle needs to be the right tool for them. Gotcha. So we okay. need the right so, tree and the right panel. So I have a young, say, say I've got a younger horse that, you know, you've got the right tree and shape, but he's going to continue to develop. Uh, do I have to buy a new saddle every six months or is that idea of the shims in the saddle pads? Can you like start with that and then make your way up to just the saddle? That's I, ideally you're working with a saddle fitter and you're probably having them out th- every three to four months to keep up with the changing shape of a young horse. Your saddle's going to need to be rebalanced if your horse is growing that quickly. Most horses, by the time they're riding, their body's going to change by muscle, less about growth from being a young horse. Does, does that make sense? Well, that's why I ask because I have, you know, of course, a thoroughbred that came off the track and he is probably done growing, but he's not, he had not put on the appropriate muscle that he would have. So, you know, the saddle fitter came out evaluated, got the saddle, the shims, all the things you're talking about. And then as it continued to develop, we've now removed the shims and the saddle fits perfectly. So you kind of have to be a little bit of a, um, you have to see into the future. Kind of. Yes. Um, <laughs> it, most certifications require me to fit the horse that I have now being a practical and pragmatic person. I understand that the horse is going to change and develop. So, we don't fit things so tightly that there is no room for fluctuation. Like it's not, they're not like stretch pants. They don't, they don't fit that snugly to the body. There is typically a little more room in a saddle to accommodate nominal growth. Now, that being said, if you buy a three-year-old and you buy a small tree and then they all of a sudden, you know, bloom into something else, that's we can't really control for that but most horses right most horses you have an idea of where their body is going to go in terms of general shape like how wide or narrow they're going to be so it's not like I'm going to buy a narrow tree today and then in six months I'm going to need an extra wide like please anybody dispel that notion from fear from from the back of your mind that that will probably never ever happen if you go from a thoroughbred to a draft cross, yep, you're probably going to need a new saddle. Yeah. But if you... Seems to always have to always a need a new saddle. Always. Well, that, <laughs> I wanted to bring that up because if I don't, then listeners are going to be mad. So you, you can't afford a new saddle. And I think that what happens is the people who get saddle fitters out tend to be ones who can afford it if they needed to. But the people who don't get saddle fitters out are ones who say, well, I got to use this saddle regardless. Does it still pay to have a saddle fitter out? Can you help them... fit the saddle they have knowing they can't afford a new one? We don't always have to buy a new, a brand new saddle. There is a plethora of used saddles on the market. There are a plethora of consignment saddles. There are many saddle manufacturers who take trade-ins and do buybacks or have demo programs or discounts. So not everybody needs to spend upwards of $7,000 to make sure that their horse is comfortable. 
However, if you're riding in a saddle that doesn't fit your horse and hasn't been fitted, it's going to cause damage. So if you don't invest in the right fitting tool, you're going to have a vet bill. So it's kind of six of one, half a dozen of the other. Can some of that be accomplished depending on what's wrong with through pads and different things like that? Sometimes. It really depends. If you have a Kirby-backed horse, they can't go in a straight tree and vice versa. It's going to cause permanent damage to the muscle structure of the horse. Can you tell this is the horse husband speaking here? Can you tell the horse husband's coming out? (laughs) Glenn, buy the damn saddle. Just buy it. It'll save you in the long run. For the the horse husbands listening, (laughs) buy the correct saddle. It will save you more money in the long run. Basically, Glenn, you're just going to have to buy the dang saddle because otherwise, yes, it causes damage to the horse. But then you have to listen to your wife come home and complain about how her horse would try to buck her off. And then we got to get trainers and then you're going to have to get all sorts of hospital bills, (laughs) chiropractic adjustments. Just buy the right saddle and it'll keep it. Now, that's the question, Janelle. What are some of the most common signs you see of horses wearing an ill-fitted saddle? When can you be like, oh, that's the saddle? (laughs) If your saddle is sitting on the wither, you're going to need a new saddle. And conversely, if your saddle is sitting so far above the wither that the panels, and I'm talking about an English saddle, uh, the panels are above the wither line, you're going to need a new saddle. That's, that's too narrow and the other is too wide. So we definitely need some professional assistance in those cases. Like I said, Subtle fitting is about matching the shape of the horse to the right tree. Every manufacturer out there thinks that they have the answer to all the problems, which is why there's so many saddles out there, because everybody has their own tree shape and panel shape. So saddles are kind of like jeans. You might need to go up a size or down a size, depending on the manufacturer. And there's some that are just not going to work for you. It's not personal. It's just their way of making a saddle. I do love a good bootcut jean. No, I'm particular. Um, so, uh, so we've got the horse wearing, you know, you walk up to a horse, you think it's a pretty good saddle. How, what are some of the very basics to how to tell if you have the correct saddle? I know you just talked about the withers because, you know, it needs to be what three fingers above the withers to the, to the bottom of the pommel. To, to start, you need to, well, firstly, you need to be able to put your saddle in the right place. So the saddle does not go on the shoulder, it goes behind it. So depending on if you have a jump or a dressage saddle, you'll see a little bit more of the shoulder in a jump saddle because once we get into two-point or half seat, our center of gravity changes and that needs to be more in line with the horse. So we don't ever want our chest in front of the wither because if the horse were to ever stumble, that's just going to shoot the rider straight out in front of the horse and be a tragedy. That's just a tragedy waiting to happen. So you want to make sure our saddle is behind the scapula in an appropriate place for the discipline that we're, we're riding. Okay. So if the tree points match the angle of the shoulder, so you'll have to lift up the skirt, maybe the flap, depending on the type of saddle that you have to find the edge of your tree point. It looks like a little half moon. If anybody has seen the changeable gullet systems that actually have the metal gullets, Every single tree point looks like the edge of one of those. It's a rounded tongue depressor looking thing. So you're looking for the edge of that. 
and you need to look at the edge of your horse's shoulder. So those two things should be parallel and you should, you can take a picture and literally with your iPhone or whatever phone you have, make two lines, one for the shoulder and one for the tree point. And if those two lines don't match up, your tree angle isn't right. And the saddle will be inherently unstable because of that. Hey, but you know what? That's a great, uh, uh, that's actually something to think about. Can you send us a picture with it drawn so we can see exactly what you're talking about and just email it to me and I'll post it on the uh, Horses in the Morning page. I will. Okay, perfect. Because I'm trying to follow along, but also it's like, I think I know what you're talking about, but definitely send that. And then what are some of the, what's the other, give me one more tip. Um. A lot of manufacturers are making saddles because of what the market is demanding. So we have a lot of manufacturers who are producing saddles that actually eclipse the longitudinous dorsi now. The longitudinous dorsi is the muscle group that runs parallel to the spinal processes and is where the rider weight needs to be supported. When the panels sit outside of this, now we're interfering with, firstly, the horse's ability to lift their abs correctly and use their hind end. So you can imagine the fallout of pain that follows. It goes all the way down to the feet. Mm-hmm. Can't lift, can't round, goes stifle hawk all the way down. Then we also have the inability to breathe correctly in the horse because we're sitting on the ribs. So That's- I can also put together a, a little picture or video showing how to palpate for the edge Oh, that would be great. Yeah, that would be great. It's almost like if you have like an ill-fitting bra on, you know, and it's just like kind of pinching you in the wrong spot, then it makes you crazy. It ruins your day. So yeah, horses and bras, Glenn, there's always a connection. (laughs) I don't ride or wear a bra, so I'm kind of out on having an opinion on this one. Here's here's what you have to do. Just buy the saddle and shut up. That's pretty much what your husband's job is. Well, Janelle, this is awesome. Where can people get a hold of you or go to you to ask questions or learn more? I'm on Facebook under my personal name, Janelle Cameron. I I don't advertise, which sounds horrible. I'm 100% word of mouth and I'm very busy because of that. So that's why I don't advertise, but I'm happy to help anybody with an auditor question. I'm in the auditor room. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, Janelle, uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us and talking about this. And uh, yeah, definitely send those over so we can put those in the show notes and, and people can go and find out exactly uh, all these kind of get a picture in their mind. Non-GMO whole food nutrition is the basis of the entire Daily Dose Equine program. We never forget that natural is better and simplicity is key. Daily Dose Equine uses non-GMO whole food ingredients like alfalfa, timothy, peas, sunflower seeds, and flax. Daily Dose Equine doesn't use fillers, bulking agents, or leftovers from other industries. So you can feed less, yet improve body condition and energy. And our feeds are free from chemical residues and glyphosate. Find the perfect formulation for your horse at DailyDoseEquine.com. Select Daily Dose Equine formulations are available nationwide through Chewy.com and TractorSupply.com. Well, before we get to weird news, I found I was doing a study show getting it ready for one of the episodes coming up, and I actually found a study I read and was interested in. It was involving horses. So a Japanese study sought to determine whether exposing horses to extended light mimics the length of day. In other words, if they had more light, 
Uh, would it influence a horse's growth and maturity when they're younger? So apparently nearly all the thoroughbreds in Japan are raised in a place called Hokkaido, which has cold winters with days shorter, much shorter days, and then they have cool summers. But they wanted to determine if they gave them artificial light, because the days are so short, would that help their growth? So they used 73 thoroughbreds between 21 and 24 months old to determine whether artificially extending daylight would change their body composition. The horses were placed in two groups. Basically, a bunch of them were placed under a 100-watt light bulb, which doesn't quite seem like enough, to be honest. <laughs> it's like, I thought maybe they would have 10 light bulbs, you know, to simulate daylight, but a 100-watt light bulb in their stalls. And, Isn't that like what you have, like, in your bathroom? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and where each received 14 and a half hours of daylight between December and April. So they kept it on for like 15 hours a day. Uh, the control group received no additional lighting, and all the horses had up to two hours in a pasture per day, which doesn't seem like a lot for us, but for thoroughbreds, apparently it is. And a standard training program. And what they concluded, the bottom line, there was a lot of technical bottom lines, but what they concluded was that the thoroughbreds under lights tolerated additional high-intensity training better than those horses not under lights in the winter. Did they talk about how the mares all came into heat early? <laughs> they didn't talk about that. I don't know if they were all geldings or what, or stallions or what, but they did determine that more light helps you. And I think anybody that has, what's that disorder? Sad. Seasonal affective disorder. Anybody that has that would tell you, yes, they will perform better if there's more light. I think that that's pretty much a given. So once again, it's a study that we probably already knew the answer to, but the Japanese did it and I thought I would share it. So did they actually say how they concluded it or then you just edited that part out or is they, it they concluded it by its horror they talked about hormones and a bunch of big words I didn't know. Okay, so, so you just didn't know to how to say line. the words. Yeah, I just went to the <laughs> What's the result? <laughs> That's the result right here is the result. Uh, how they got there, I, it was all technical crap. But it sounded official. So there you go. You need to just keep the lights on in the barn for your horses 24 hours a day. Is what it Does that work to. for children? Can uh. you just leave the light on they handle things better? <laughs> Has that worked for you? I haven't tried it yet, but I'm willing <laughs> and able. All right, let's get to some weird news. Time to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race in Jamie's Weird News. Yes, that is true. And um, if you're ever looking through the news wherever you get it and you see a story that's like, wow, that's so weird, email it to me, jamie at horseradionetwork.com, just like Julie Claire. Allison Delia, Kelly Lorene, Allie, Melissa, Ashley, Thomas, Danielle, and Ina all did. Thank you guys for sending it. I won't reveal the source of where you're getting your news, but um, again, some of you sent some pretty um, gross things, and um, I love it, so keep it going. Uh, <laughs> but I can't do those on the show, but I've got one for you in the post show. Uh, the first one is really gross, but it is like... This took off, Glenn, and I'm sure you've heard about the flight that was going from Amsterdam to Detroit that had to turn around and go back to Amsterdam. No, Did you hear about no. this? Delta flight, Amsterdam to Detroit. This lady is sitting in her seat and all of a sudden these things start from from above. I guess it was, I don't know if the, the what is it, the overhead things just popped open or it just started like, 
seeping out, but basically she was sitting in her seat and above her maggots started falling down yeah. on her head. Yeah. Um, one from of the, the airplane, people from like the overhead have been. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. So they opened the overhead bin, a ton of maggots dumped out. <laughs> it's because there was a suitcase containing rotten fish what? in the overhead bin. And Who the, the hell travels broke. with this stuff? You have these stories all the time of people traveling with like meat and fish, and <laughs> and again, it's illegal to carry like meat uh, across the, <laughs> the globe. You know, you can't do that. You have to. We do have customs. fish here. You can buy it at the, any store. Um. Yeah. So th- th- basically, they had to turn the airplane around. They landed, exited. Cabin was clean. The suitcase involved was being was put in a bag uh, to be burned. Have to clean airplanes. Ugh. Oh my god! <laughs> they don't get paid enough. No. So the apparently they were given. Everybody was given eight thousand air miles, a hotel room, compensation, <laughs> and a thirty dollar meal ticket if they were delayed oh. from continuing. If I was a lady getting the maggots in the hair, I want more than that. (laughs) It is unclear if the suitcase owner was fined or if any action was taken against him. I would be so mad if my flight had to get turned around because of some rotten fish that was leaking maggots. Smell when they opened it up. Oh Oh my god! God. How did nobody see? I have more questions (laughs) than answers, really. um, Honestly, (sighs) but there you go. Well, that's all I'm going to think about all day now. You're welcome. <laughs> um, here, you you know what? Think about this. We're going to go to Alb- Albany, New York, because a New York City man was spending some time in Canada and decided to come across the border to go home. Um, so he says he took a bus. His name is Calvin Batista. He's 38 years old, and he crossed into northern New York for, on a bus um, and when the Customs and Border Protection officers, you know, had him come out, they were like, mm, something is suspicious. Why? Because he was wearing giant sweatpants. And do you know what he had underneath his sweatpants, Glenn? <laughs> I don't want to even guess. In his sweatpants? <laughs> uh, they were tied uh, in his pants on his thighs. And it was a bunch of uh, Burmese pythons, you know, like in his pants, in his pants, in his pants. He was he had taken the drawstrings from his sweatpants and tied bags of snakes and like his (sighs) his crotch, like his inner thighs. Yeah. He um he okay, did now get this in- is all I'm gonna be thinking about. <laughs> uh, I like let's see how much we can freak you out today. <laughs> oh um apparently he had purchased the snakes um in Canada at a pet store and then s- brought them into the country. But of course, as you know, if he would have just gone to Florida, he, he could have gotten the Everglades, them for free. he could have found tons of them. Yeah, uh, so Apparently, it's vulnerable in Asia, but invasive in Florida. And um, he could have just gone to Florida, but he is now um, he got arrested. And just uh, say that men are usually more protective of the other thing in their pants than this particular gentleman apparently is. You would (laughs) think. I mean, yeah, as there's no no excuse for it. (laughs) God. I'm looking at a beautiful mugshot right now. You know what? If you learn nothing from this show ever, just take away this one piece of information. Drugs 
are bad. Do not do drugs. Just don't do it. It's nothing good is going to happen about it. So there's a, a photo release of this man who um, guess where he lives, Glenn, uh, Florida. Yeah, he lives in Florida and he is, is on the run um, because he was his name is Walter Grimes. He's 25 years old and he stopped by his friend's apartment on South Beach uh, Street on Monday. Okay, first of all, what 25 year old is named Walter anymore? I know. And they actually address him as Walter. Like his friend says, Walter, Walter, Walter. I was like, that is such a weird name name, for this human. Um, Apparently this young man and Walter have known each other for years. And um, I guess, you know, Walter and him hang out and play, play video games. But Walter at the moment is unhoused and was running around apparently a little stressed about being in house, but then he asked his friend to, Hey man, can I borrow your Xbox? And, and the friend was like, you don't even have a house. Of course, I'm not going to give you my Xbox. What are you talking about? Um, at that point, Walter got a little upset after his friend declined to let him take his Xbox and uh, had a violent reaction where he grabbed a samurai sword off of the wall because everybody and has one of those in Florida. <laughs> why wouldn't you have a samurai sword on your wall? And like literally attacked his friend and like went to slash him. But of course, the samurai sword is not sharp. So he just had like a three inch laceration. But then Walter drops the samurai sword and runs out. So if you're in Daytona, watch out for the samurai sword wielding Walter. <laughs> We're both about <laughs> the same distance from Daytona right now, too. So, <laughs> Oh, Lord. Well, I'll send you his. Uh, I'll send Palenka you his. Sounds like the kind of town it. he would come to. Actually, we have done weird news stories in Palatka. <laughs> I will tell you that, just like Ocala. So, hey, you know, we're all we're all in it together. <laughs> I'm going to leave you with this fun one. Have you seen the? Have you heard or seen the, the stories about? <laughs> of course, where where is he from? Florida. We're going to go with Florida because there's a man and his name is John. He is not sharing his last name for privacy reasons, but he has like 400,000 followers on his um, TikTok. I don't know if it's a TikTok or Instagram. I think it's Instagram. And his name is John. And he decided, well, I mean, at this point, I haven't the uh, I haven't heard an update. We're about 28 days in when this story was released. So it's probably, you know, a couple more days past that. So hopefully he's still alive because what did he decide to do? He decided to eat raw chicken for as many days as he can until he gets sick. Why? Ra- wrap your, wrap your brain Wh- around. Why? Uh, there's no, there's no reason. Apparently he, um, a couple years ago, he, he vlogged about eating raw meat at whole foods every day until I die from bacteria. And then he got bored after 200 days. So there's pictures of him. Like he's eating raw fish and then like drinking raw eggs in a cup. Now this picture, he does have some ketchup with him to help season the, um, meat. He said he's experimented with raw vegan diets, plant-based carnivore, milk only, raw beef, raw seafood, raw pork, keto, eating a stick of butter daily, etc. Um, he just likes to try different fuels to see how it affects his, what he calls his meat suit, which is, I guess, his body. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, th- I mean, this is like you could die from this. So what he says is he's is the reason you die is factory farming and the reason they get salmonella because he's eating them from a local chicken ranch in Florida. He's getting all of his healthy non-salmonella. Anyway, he's done 28 days consecutive of eating raw chicken. And he Instagrams about it. So you can find John, the chicken eating Instagrammer. And uh, it's called the his Instagram page is called the raw chicken experiment. There's there's no reason for this. <laughs> well, there is. It's publicity. And I did look it up just now to see what John looked like. John looks exactly like the kind of guy who would eat raw chicken for 100 days. What you're I didn't picturing, know there was a look for that. What you're picturing is what what you exactly what I put a picture it's like he's a hipster kind of yeah, like hippie dude. Thing, yeah. He's, he does insist that, quote, I do not need to eat raw chicken for likes. Why are oh, you no. doing it? Yeah. Mom? Okay. No. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. We don't do this for likes either. So John yeah. is also a liar. <laughs> <laughs> now, companies have been sending him um, hot sauces and different sauces to try. <laughs> he has a half so. million followers. They're going to try, right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, it's slimy to begin with. It's so gross. Oh, it's so gross. I like I chicken, I'm... and I would. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry. I think you could get uh, sick even off of, uh, you know, homegrown chicken. It none of it makes any sense, Glenn. Mm. It's just disgusting. You know what else? Uh, that's it. Make... That's your weird news. That's well, you, it. That's so know, gross today. Sorry. You know what else makes sense? And you're right in the neighborhood. If only you could stay till Saturday. Because St. Augustine's only like 40 minutes from you. Yeah, it's close. Yeah, because it's the Florida Man Games on Saturday in St. Augustine. This weekend in St. Augustine, you could go for the Florida Man Games. I got to tell you, it's coming up. Uh, We're not going to be around, or I wish I could go to the Florida Man Games. I probably could have gotten press passes. They're doing the Eat the Butt Challenge. I don't know what that means. Well, you don't to either um they're doing actually it involves pork um they're doing the weaponized pool noodle mud duel that's exactly what you think it is <laughs> they're doing the evading arrest obstacle course which sounds like the most florida man thing uh they're doing the cash grab that's where they throw a bunch of cash in the air and you see how much you can grab exactly what it is how about the catalytic converter uh race how fast can Those you cut off? As fast they can steal it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> the Florida. You know what? I'm, I'm canceling my plans to go home. I'm staying. <laughs> I mean, the Florida sumo wrestling. Uh, and the judges are Nitro and Ice from the old Gladiator show. Of course uh, they are. Yeah. By the way, uh, I got to say that uh, Lori Ice Fetrick looks pretty good for probably in her 60s now. And then uh, I did see they're ha- also having the mullet contest. The Florida Man pinup. Yes, that's exactly what you want. Chicken Coop Bingo. Which, by the way, just sounds like fun. We ought to try it next time we come out to your house. We need to do chicken coop bingo. And then uh, the brawl of the badges, which is uh, police officers and firefighters taking on each other in boxing. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> I mean, seriously. How are you not going? I need to know what chicken bingo is. Chicken bingo. Chicken I don't know what they have on the chicken bingo 
Two chickens will decide whether you win or lose in this fun, dirty game inspired by a Floridian family in places like uh, blah, 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 where they literally do this for fun because they don't know that cell phones exist yet. I don't know what they put on the chicken bingo card, but I think that we need to figure that out because it just it does sound like fun, actually. Throw two you just have in. to go. You just have to go be, be like, hi, this is Glenn Hebert on the scene <laughs> at the Florida Man Games. I'm representing the Horse Radio Network. Please, it's 20... 20- you know, 64 degrees and it's 7 p.m. You know, like I need you to to do I, some reporting. They're very smart at the Florida Man Games. This is the first time they're doing this, and I'll have to definitely plan for it next year. But they're very smart. The one judge they got is very famous in Florida, and that his name is Mike from Mike's Weather. So anybody that lives in Florida knows Mike's Weather because we turn to him every hurricane season because he's much better than the weatherman. And he has millions of followers. And Oh, yeah, you've sent me Mike the Weather guy when, you, when there's stuff coming to yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah, well, Mike is uh, one of the judges, and they did that surely to just get him to promote it on his page. But uh, he is, and uh, I, they probably will pack this place. Maybe you should apply to be a judge next year. Ooh. You have a lot of scope and, and reach. Yeah, not as much as Mike. I don't think. <laughs> Please go. Mike just has a go. NASCAR name He's sponsored. He is a NASCAR with his name on it. So anyway, the FloridaManGames.com. You can find all the details there. If anybody is going, oh, Clark lives up that way. Clark, you need to be our representative. Go to the Florida Man Games and give us a report. Need a Please report. go and be armed. I mean, if you have like a permit, because I feel like that's a place that could potentially get dangerous. <laughs> Seems like there's going to be a lot of drinking there. I would think a lot of drinking and a lot of Florida men will attend. I'm certain. Do you think the police are there with their facial identification software? Because I was going to say, I can send you the samurai sword guy's mugshot and then you can see if he's there. <laughs> you know how many wanted criminals are going to show up the Florida man games? Police would be smart to have their facial identification software running the whole entire time. (laughs) It's going to be something. All right. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate you being here today. We'll be back again on Friday. Get your ads into Jennifer at HorseRadioNetwork.com. You're going to be home on Friday back in Oklahoma. Yes, I will be. Lord willing, and the creek don't run. All right. Hold on. Apparently, Jamie has another story for us that she couldn't do in this weird news Uh, that we're going to do. This is Texas. Yeah. (laughs) All right. See everybody. Hey, neuter gout, everybody. Oh, by the way, tomorrow's the Horse Husbands episode. We had a fun one for you this time. <laughs>